Hello and welcome to another episode of Cranky Talk, a show for avgeeks and non-avgeeks alike. We tackle anything related to airlines and sometimes beyond. And this week, mailbag. Okay, okay, as you can tell, Dave is very excited this week. I feel like I'm Steve from Blue's Clues. Okay. <laughs> mail time, mail time, is that mail a... time. Your kids didn't want, your kids are too young for Blue's Clues? Nah. I guess they're too young and I'm too old uh, somehow. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave has wanted to uh, do his best Steve impression, apparently, for a long time with the mailbag episode, so... You know, we've had some emails piling up, and then I put on the blog last week uh, a call for more, and whoo boy, did you guys deliver. That was great. Yes. Uh, sorry to all of those uh, who we couldn't get to um, on this show. Should we say all uh, of those, though? Because I feel like some of them were, were not real. No, you're right. You're right. Sorry to sorry to some of you. Um <laughs> But for the rest of you, yes. Sorry, we, we couldn't do them all. But um, everyone, just remember, uh, Dave chose which questions are going to win, so blame him, please. I want to thank our sponsor, MedJet, the membership service that protects you if you get sick or injured while traveling. They also offer travel security through their MedJet Horizon product. We'll talk a bit more about them later on. All right. Are you ready? Heck yeah, let's do this. Um, okay, so let's start with something light and easy. So, Cot Slurby. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Cot Slurby? Cot Slurby. Is that Scott Kirby? I, Scott, you know? wait, Scott, do you not know the answer to this? Oh, what's the question? <laughs> All right, let's hear it. All right. All right. Uh, Cot Slurby wants to know Is the regional model dying? At <laughs> this what point? <laughs> If that is Scott Kirby, that is a, that is perfect. Um, all right. At what point? At what point does it make more sense to fold the flying into mainline? Which regionals will fail first, and which majors will win the regional market? Gee, Cot, I don't know. <laughs> they, hold on. First of all, did you say this is light and easy? <laughs> like we. We could do a full episode on this one alone, dude. And maybe we will, but there's no time for that now. So let's get talking. All right. Okay. Okay. I mean, it is a great question, uh, Cot, but the the regional model, it's not dying just yet. Uh, it's definitely in the hospital, though. It's it's having some struggles. Um, I mean, the, the pilot shortage is the biggest issue. It's meant there just aren't enough pilots to go around the regionals right and we've seen this i mean there's been this arms race now where they're trying to jack up pay rates to get more pilots into the pipeline and i mean that sounds great for getting pilots but it's bad news you have a 50 seat airplane and all of a sudden your pilots making a lot more that's not so great for your uh, seat costs there so uh definitely um definitely some issues here yeah it sounds like it's dynamite (laughs) <laughs> okay but the, the thing is some of these increases are temporary in theory so if the pilot supply catches up then things can get back toward normal but i don't even know what normal is so that's not really a thing um but the regional world's already been shrinking like delta has has made it clear they've been up gauging and doing more mainline and united that's part of their plan um 
in theory, but they're not there yet. I I just keep thinking that the the little independents like GoJet or Air Wisconsin or Mesa, like th- those are going to be the first to go. Either somehow go under because they can't get any pilots, or maybe get bought by SkyWest or Republic or something. But I, I don't know. Somehow they just keep going. So it's it's also up in the air. This is probably why we haven't done a podcast on this yet because it's. It's just not clear where it's going right now. But, yeah, things aren't great in regional land. All right. So follow up on that from James. What is the future for prop flying in the USA? I love the Q400 and no shortage of them here in Canada. But in the States, it is shrinking with Alaska part of whatever Connect is and a few ATRs for silver. What keeps the prop from being a bigger part of regional flying stateside? I'm sure Dave loves a turboprop. Now, uh, Dave does not love any airplane in general. Um, I did, when I lived in Seattle, uh, want to fly on one of those for the novelty, but I'm sure that would wear off almost immediately. They are all buses, propellers or not. Mm, That sounds about right. And in fact, I'm wondering how many of the words you said in that question you actually knew. (laughs) Uh, well, I know what a prop plane is. Okay, <laughs> I've I've I have flown a prop plane. All right. Well, tell me uh, what you think about whatever Connect is. Uh, well, I'm sure whatever Connect is is whatever Connect is. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, my head just exploded. But uh, but yeah, bad bad news for you, James, is that it's it's not looking great here. Um, Horizon, uh, which is the one that's, that Dave used to see up in Seattle. Um, Horizon's retiring their last Q400s pretty soon. They move those forward, the retirements, and they have no orders. And it, 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 sure, there's the, the little you know nine seaters buzzing around into some tiny markets, but that's not really much. Um, and we'll keep seeing those in those really small markets. But I, I mean, ever since the 90s, U.S. carriers were pretty set on you know there is a strong passenger preference for jets and. That's it. And there aren't any props in the world that have changed their mind. Like there aren't new props and there are some that are in theory under development, but there's nothing that would suggest that there's actually a real market for those in the U.S. So I I would not get my hopes up on that one. All right. Lara asks um, and also shares a little bit of love. Um, I love the podcast, and I am a certified av geek. How do airlines choose which type of aircraft to fly a certain route? And if I'm looking to fly an A380, if I book a ticket, how do I know they won't change the aircraft type at the last minute? Good questions, thank you, Laura. And how do, you, like, how do you get certified? Can I? I should start like a certification program for av geeks. Um, so on this one, I wish I had a better answer, but the only way to know that an airline won't change you from an A380 is if the airline operates in no other airplane. (laughs) That's the only way you can guarantee that. Uh, but in general, the airlines try to schedule airplanes to match demand. So it's usually more of a function of the number of seats on board than it is the actual type of aircraft itself. Um, I mean, you'll see some airlines say, well, the A330, A340 is the same, or 777s and, and some of the 787s are the same size. So those get lumped together. And, and, and look at Southwest, which the 737-800 or the 737-MAX-8, 
they're the same. They swap those things in and out all the time. So it, it's more about the size of the airplane. Uh, but sometimes there are differences. Like, uh, you know, some airports have operational limitations. So uh, like when Delta used to have its small fleet of 737-700s that they would use to fly into places that needed special performance, like the old Tegucigalpa airport, um, hot and high kind of stuff. Uh, and, and then sometimes they'll try and isolate airplanes to certain hubs because it just helps with maintenance simplicity, uh, like Lufthansa, which has one of every airplane in its fleet. Uh, but it, you know, it decided the A380s when it had those flying again, it was going to put them in Munich this time and focus on that. So they'll they'll do all that. But in the end, no matter how it's designed, like, <laughs> operational needs will trump all. So you can never guarantee anything. Uh, right. Uh, and it's still an airplane, you know, uh, Lara point A to point B. Uh -huh. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. all right, let's move on to a question from Kilroy. Mm. Uh, fearless predictions about fall, winter, holiday season, air travel, meltdowns, or lack thereof. Mm. You have a coin, <laughs> Dave. Let's flip it. Sure. Make our scientific predictions. All right. Uh, heads is total meltdown and tails is smooth skies for all. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's not going to be any worse than my thoughts anyway. I don't, I don't know. Cause right. like, like unlike summer, the holidays, they're really concentrated in certain time periods, um, which is usually good. It means they can flex their resources. Like remember when, uh, uh, secretary Buttigieg told them you better not screw up on the 4th of July. And magically they didn't like mm -hmm. they have that ability, but there's only so far you can take that. It, it really ends up being up to the weather gods. If if a nor'easter rolls through on the Friday before Christmas, well, guess what? It's not going to be good. <laughs> that's that's just kind of how that works. And if not, eh, it'll probably be fine because uh, the airlines are still short-staffed, at least in some areas. But still, they're generally staffed well enough to operate when there aren't these outside issues that come in. Um, but it does hurt if there's weather or something and, and there's just not enough slack to recover as quickly as they used to be able to so who knows i mean ch check the farmer's almanac and, and we can maybe use that one to guess all right uh let's do one more before we take a break this one is from richard what do you think about the south american aviation market mm. often it gets little mention yet it is the closest geographically to us uh, specifically, how do you see the future for Goal uh, after picking up American as an investor when Delta dropped them? Uh, as compared to Azul and post-bankruptcy Avianca and Latam. Thanks. Mm, there's a lot there. All right, yes. well, let's, let's take some of this. So, first of all, let's start with the easy part. There is really just one legacy-style global carrier down there, and it's Latam. Uh, you know, thanks to border ownership rules, it's actually a bunch of smaller airlines with different certificates, but they all fly under Latam and Latam's not going anywhere. Um, you know, they ditched American and joined up with Delta as their partner. They're working on their joint venture. They, okay. So that's pretty set, but everything else is a free for all. So you have Avianca, which is aligned with United, but Avianca has had this huge makeover in bankruptcy and is really pushing toward the ULCC model now, uh, ultra low cost carrier. 
And in the meantime, it's uh, merging. So it's combining with Viva, which is a ULCC also in Colombia. Um, and they created this whole holding company structure. And now it's going to control Goal in Brazil, which that one's aligned with American. Uh, and American also is aligned with uh, JetSmart, which is a ULCC that started down out of Chile. And they've grown. And there's also Sky, which is is down there. And um think JetSmart started in Chile. Anyway, whatever. It's elsewhere now. Um, so you just have all these different pieces, and, and that's where the competition comes from. That doesn't even talk about Copa, which is a huge South American carrier, uh, even though it's all from its hub in Panama City. So, you know, you, you just have a lot going around, and it, it is really interesting. But, it, you know, if I have to make a prediction about where this all falls out, like the only reliable prediction I can make is that Argentina – will continue to suck and be a horrible, dysfunctional airline market, and things will never change there. Uh, well, you heard it here first, people. Brett is predicting nothing useful. That's what I'm here for. Yep. Uh, let's go take a break, and when we get back, I have some more specific questions to get to. Dave, like we covered on our last episode, in addition to COVID, travel security has become, shall we say, a bigger concern. Sure, like when a war breaks out or something. Yep, that's a thing that can apparently happen. Uh, but, you know, at least it makes us not think about COVID. Uh, but BA5 now, well, you know, we'll start talking about that one again, too. Yeah, that's very stressful, and I don't want to think about that. And you're not even going to Canada. Nope. Uh, but but everyone is stressed. <laughs> this is why our sponsor, MedJet, offers such a great product. Whether your top concern while traveling is health or safety... MedJet has air medical transport and travel security memberships to help you if the worst should happen. Well, maybe not the worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, travel insurance is important, but add a MedJet membership for the ultimate peace of mind. I think of MedJet as the best case scenario for the worst case scenario. Yes, it's a good way to put it. It's like having a get me out of here membership when you really need it. You can learn more and become a member at medjet.com slash crankyflyer. Okay, let's get into the weeds a little. As you can imagine, a lot of people have very specific questions as opposed to those broad ones we just covered. Yeah, bring it. Let's do like rapid fire round or something. Uh, well, it may not be rapid fire, but Mark does have a question on fares. I am looking at flights just prior to Thanksgiving between Miami and uh, Baltimore or D.C. Uh, heading outbound JetBlue for $89, Southwest for $159, both nonstop, or Delta with a stop for $129. Coming back, Southwest $152, JetBlue $179, American 249, all nonstop. I can fly for $241 round trip. Uh, Spirit, on the other hand, is $362 per direction nonstop. Frontier is looking for $399 per direction. At best, $724 round trip. Uh, even a one way is more than a round trip with the other airlines. What's the pricing strategy here? Is this to prevent people from booking but still have a posted schedule? Hmm. Okay. So first, let's some context here. I think when this email was sent to us, it was before Spirit and Frontier had finalized their November schedules. Um, mm. So, you know, it could have been they were just on a fishing expedition, like keep the fares <laughs> high, 
see if there's enough demand to justify actually keeping the flights and go from there. I don't know. But I did look when this came in and, and the base fare is closer to like a hundred bucks on frontier and 150 on spirit now. So something has changed. Um, but you know, if anything here, it's a good reminder that fares are not always great just because you book further out. So there is, there is no, uh, scientific way of thinking about this. There's, there's a little bit of magic involved, but, uh, but yeah, that was very abnormal. Fares were really that high and I don't know what they were thinking there. Um, now it's time to turn to Steve. Uh, hi, Cranky. I do have a question for you, and it is vexing. Uh, simply put, why do American international airlines not serve Vienna? This is a serious question. <laughs> when everyone is looking for good, uh, sound secondary markets all over Europe, uh, Vienna has not had an American carrier provide service since the days of TWA and Pan Am. I think think it's because we can get the sausages here now <laughs> that, that, that is a terrible answer it is i honestly don't know the answer but i, I mean I, I know why united doesn't fly there um because it has a joint venture with austrian austrian's probably a lower cost producer after that whole labor fight they had a, a few years back and and while vienna is a hub it's not a huge one like munich and frankfurt so you know, probably doesn't justify multiple daily flights. So easier to just let Austrian run their operation out of there and United can focus elsewhere. Um, but why doesn't Delta take a swing or American? I think the issue might be it's just not as big or as favorable of a market as it might seem to be. So I, I went into Sirium and I pulled up ARC BSP data, um, which is booking data, um, and, and looked at June to August 2019 just to get an idea. And so during the summer period right there, uh, Vienna had about 1,060 passengers per day each way to and from the U.S. And just over half of those originated in Vienna. Uh, but meanwhile, Prague was bigger. It had 1,123 and Budapest had 1,227. And both of those had uh, closer to about two-thirds of the traffic originating in the U.S. So the those are much easier for U.S. airlines, uh, especially since the fares were all relatively similar. Uh, it's just easier to sell point of sale in the U.S. and you know they're slightly bigger anyway. So um, that might just be why they just haven't gotten that far down the list. Uh, but I would bet you know as we see the U.S. carriers take more of these A321 XLRs when they come into the fleets, uh, that could create some opportunity for others to take a swing at it. All right, Julie sent us a few questions, but I'm going to narrow this down. Let's go with, why don't Mexican ULCCs go after Cancun, Cabo, and Puerto Vallarta U.S.-based tourists? Uh, seems like uh, they'd make a lot of money. This actually is kind of similar to the Vienna one. Um, so the, the Mexican ULCCs are really strong in Mexico point of sale, but not in the U.S., um, they, they've dipped their toes into some of these markets over time, but it just doesn't do as well as they'd like. So they focus on other markets where they have stronger appeal from a Mexican point of sale. Um, and, and that's actually one of the reasons why Allegiant and Viva Aerobus are creating a joint venture. So this allows them to deploy each other's airplanes on different routes, but then sell it. So Viva will probably see them start flying more of these U.S. to tourist destination uh, markets, but then Allegiant can sell them. So it's it's a great experiment. All right, that was quick. So let's do one more from Julie. How will Turkish react to United and Emirates partnering? Would Delta try to snag them 
for a similar tie-up. Similarly, how will Delta react? They now seem to have a major hole in their network versus AA and UA. Um, I don't think Saudi accounts. Yeah. Well, first, uh, so United and Emirates haven't released details of what their partnership is, so this is a little bit speculative, but uh, that's supposed to be coming next week. Um, but look, I mean, in the end, I assume Turkish is going to be just fine where it is. So it's a member of Star Alliance, has a lot of important ties there. We'll probably continue to partner with United is my guess. Uh, I'm sure it would be a, a much bigger deal if they made a switch elsewhere. But um, to leave Star Alliance, that, that's a tough one. So, um, you know, it, it, look, Delta has just been so stubborn about fighting against the Middle East carriers and has really kept its distance throughout this whole thing, whereas Americans at the totally other end of the spectrum now and that in the last couple of years has gotten really close with Qatar and has been working with Etihad. Um, so United's being smart here because Emirates is the last one that's up for grabs and United's grabbing that. And that may very well just leave Delta out in the cold because, first of all, I agree, Saudia does not count. Um, but... I'm not sure that Delta would be appealing enough for anyone to leave their existing situation. All right. Staying in that part of the world, Nathan wants to know, are any of the global hubs like Dubai under real threat from opening of new routes now that the A350 is, will be available for ultra long haul? Uh, or will they just be a niche for the likes of Qantas and possibly Air New Zealand? I think it probably stays somewhat niche like the the power of the dubai hub is being able to connect people from cities that don't have the demand on their own so sure london sydney will now be possible with this project sunrise airplane that Qantas is getting the a350 um and you know connection won't be required but sydney to pretty much anywhere else in europe is not going to have that level of demand so and forget about europe to other cities in australia adelaide brisbane melbourne perth whatever um, so this will hurt the hubs to some extent and that, you know, Sydney, London traffic will no longer, uh, really consider Dubai as much as they do today, but it's probably more of a blip than anything. And, and it actually can go the other way, um, in strengthening global hubs. Uh, and I, I think a really good example of that is Singapore, um, Singapore with the A350 ULR, like the more nonstops that they add from the U S to Singapore, which they couldn't do before, um, you know, that has so much more utility in making Singapore a, a huge player connecting into Southeast Asia, uh, especially since Hong Kong is ugh, Hong Kong is. Yeah. Um, OK, so Desert Ghost wants to know, would Frontier consider flying out of Long Beach to replace LAX? Nope. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, even if they do, there are no slots available. No slots available. Uh, all right. I saved some of the best questions for last. Thanks to uh, Nick P. Yes. <clears throat> First, uh, did you guys know people actually sit behind that curtain? <laughs> I always I always thought that's where the staff prepared the meals, uh, having never actually been there myself. This, wow. This will be a shocking revelation to some of our listeners. And more importantly... <laughs> Too many points and miles bloggers. What did they even know that that was a thing? I don't know. 
Shocking. Shocking. Uh, it's it is not it is not clear if you read them. Um next up, why don't the airline schedule uh next up, why don't the airlines schedule more flights that are convenient for me? <laughs> timed better for my schedule and to cities that I want to travel to. <laughs> this is uh this is uh, probably the most asked question around the world, but you know, I, I figure yep. you probably need to be like a diamond medallion or a 1K <laughs> before they start caring about you, Nick P. Sorry there, buddy. Yeah, I think uh, I think we might be getting a little long here, so let's call it a Wait, day. hold on. I have a question for you. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, where did I have kids wants to know, Dave? <clears throat> Quote, Dave, why do you hate talking about airlines and airplanes? Show us on the doll where JetBlue touched you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be a no comment from me. <laughs> this is great. It's it's okay, Dave. This is a safe space. You can tell us. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Aww. Cranky Talk. We'll be back with more deep dives and helpful tips for these turbulent times. And thank you to MedJet for sponsoring this week. Learn more about how you can protect yourself while traveling at medjet.com slash crankyflyer. Um, if you'd like to be a sponsor of Cranky Talk, let us know. Email us at advertiser@crankyflyer.com, and please remember to leave us a five-star rating. This helps others find our podcast. And do we have any new ratings? No, we do not. Oh, well, that's fine. But if you have suggestions for what you'd like us to cover in a future show, tell us. Just email us at info at crankyconcierge.com. And if your question didn't get asked this time, email Dave at crankyconcierge.com. I think we can nope. all agree that nope. is the way to solve this problem. Nope, nope. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another one of these and we'll save those questions for them. Mailbag! Mailbag!